Amen. And as you guys have a seat, can we just thank Jared and the band for leading us in worship? If you are unfamiliar, maybe church is not your background or you come from a different denomination that doesn't quite function the way that whatever we do here does, we do each Sunday, we sing according to what's called a liturgy. Now, it's not like what you would find in, in many other places. But Jared, as we progress through songs, he tells a story. And the story that we just told is that we belong to God forevermore in spite of the difficulties and trials and stresses that we may have, that God loves us, He cares for us, that He has not abandoned us, even though life is difficult. And if we've ever needed to hear that story when going into a sermon series, we need it today. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open those to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The sermon series is entitled, The Search for Meaning. And we're going to look at this book together over the next few weeks. But I'm going to read it over us just so that we know that I'm not making this up on the fly. The word of the teacher, the son of David, the king to Jerusalem. Absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. Your Bible may say meaningless or something to that effect. What does a person gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets panting its return to the place. Where it rises, gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning, goes to the wind, and the wind returns in its cycles. All the streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams flow, there they will flow again. All things are wearisome. More than anyone can say, the eye is not satisfied by seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Can one say about anything, look, this is new. Well, it has already existed in the ages before us. There's no remembrance of those who came before and of those who will come after there will also be no remembrance by those who follow them. I, the teacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to examine and explore through wisdom all that is done under heaven. God has given people this miserable task to keep themselves occupied. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun, and I have found everything to be futile, meaningless. A pursuit of the wind... What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, See, I have amassed wisdom far beyond all those who were over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has thoroughly grasped wisdom and knowledge. I applied my mind to know wisdom and knowledge, to know madness and folly. I learned that this, too, is a pursuit of the wind. For with much wisdom is much sorrow. As knowledge increases, grief increases. Welcome to church. I've been here. My, my family has been in Lake Jackson since March of 2017. 
I started preaching here in April of 2017. And even though I'd had numerous conversations with Jared and our other elders at the church, what I came to realize was you just kind of have to live it and experience it to understand what takes place because the rhythm of people who live in our community is a little bit different. And you know that if at your house you have someone who may do what we call shift work. So we really have two types of people in our community. If you are employed, you have people who have weekdays and weekends. If you're one of those people, could you raise your hand? If you are in a... Okay, and then we also have people who have off days and on days. Anybody that person? You, you, okay. I've had my neighbor one time. He explained to me that he'd worked 28 days during the month of December. I said, so how's Christmas? Uh, he had no clue what it was Christmas. So we have these conversations considering what it means to do this shift work, what it means to walk through schedules where you've forgotten what the sun looks like. When we read through Ecclesiastes, it's as if every day is you waking up to a turnaround. That's how it feels. Every day is a rainy Monday. Every day is January 2nd when the diet and exercise are supposed to kick in. Every day seems exhausting. Every day seems futile. Every day seems hard. Every day seems difficult, which is a synonym for hard. Every day looks to be awful. The author of the book... If you're unfamiliar, we're in a new book. New book, who dis? It's King Solomon. King Solomon. He is the wealthiest and he is the wisest. Uh, and he has made a decision that he is going to discover all that is occurring under heaven. So we're not sure. We, we believe Solomon to be the one who wrote it. We trust that this entire book is about him. There is a possibility that he had someone who was his writer sitting beside him, writing this story down, the, the biography of Solomon. We know that he could afford him. Solomon had 35,000 employees. The wisest man in the history of history apart from our Lord Jesus. And as you look at the life of Solomon, here's what he says. As he looks at life on the back side of his life, the wealthiest, wisest man to ever live, he says, under the sun, everything seems to not matter. It is completely meaningless. It's like a cold breath. It's out and it's gone. So he makes this quest, he chooses to say that I'm going to taste, I'm going to touch, I'm going to see, I'm going to smell, I'm going to hear, and I'm going to do all of those things to interact with wealth, with power, with religion, with friends, with work, with pleasure. He's on this search for meaning. All of us are on a search for meaning, looking for answers to the exact same set of questions, whether you are a believer in Jesus, you're an atheist, you're an agnostic, or you're something in between that you've made up on your own. You have these questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? These are questions about the origin of man. They're questions about meaning. Questions about destiny. Questions about morality. We all have questions about morality. If we've ever driven in traffic and thought to ourselves, what is wrong with people? If we were to look at the life of Solomon... It reminds me very much of the Instagram al algorithm, the search algorithm. I've learned in the last two years, maybe two, two months, that Instagram is not really for you to have friends there. You may use it for that, but there is a much more beneficial way to use this, and I'll use the word resource for lack of a better term. It is not really there for having friends. It's more about being able to lean into your interests. 
because Instagram is always trying to figure out exactly what it is that you want so you can pursue it. So you go to the search algorithm. For my friend Zach, he is a barbecue nut. So his Instagram algorithm is full of barbecue. Every barbecue place that you could eat in the 50 states and beyond. If you're interested in cars and you have an Instagram, your search is full of cars. If you have an interest in animals, like dogs, it is full of animals. If you have a desire for cats, those people don't exist. It is there to... I'm kidding. I've got cat people in the room. I pray for you weekly. It is there to show you that there is more. That's why the search is there. It's there to show you the desires of your heart, what you want. And when we look at Solomon, if he lived in a world where they had Instagram, his search algorithm would be empty because he has everything that he wants. Solomon's would be blank. For Solomon, there is no distance between his desire and his reality. I can't comprehend that. And Solomon says on the backside of his life, don't follow in my footsteps, there's nothing there. His life was defined by wealth, by wisdom, and by women. 700 wives, 300 concubines. And he is summarized with all of this. That life is monotonous, mundane, and miserable. He has more than anyone, yet he is still completely and utterly frustrated. 29 references in the book to the phrase, under the sun. It's going to be very important for us over the next few weeks. 38 references to this idea of meaningless or futile or vapor. And his conclusion, under the sun, there is nothing that really matters. Everything is insignificant all over he is not only frustrated with the world he is frustrated with the God who made it he's older at this point and he's an old crotchety grandfather with what I assume to be 27,241 grandchildren and he is telling us don't chase the wind it's a difficult book to preach through Herman Melville author of Moby Dick classic anybody read it? Okay, not into classics. All right, more into YouTube videos. The most honest book ever written. Theologians, as they talk about the book of Ecclesiastes, they agree on one thing and one thing only. It's a difficult book. Here's what one guy says. Ecclesiastes can be a tough read, so be prepared for that. <laughs> the only thing the commentators agree on seems to be its difficulty, is another guy. Ecclesiastes, one guy says, is not an easy book. It's best to be frank on the outset, one guy says. Ecclesiastes is a difficult book. Martin Luther says the book is one of the most difficult books in all of scriptures, one which no one has ever mastered. We're going to figure that out here at Grace Bible. <laughs> Over 2,000 years, one guy says 2,000 years. I keep saying one guy because you're not going to know them because I barely do. 2,000 years of interpretation have utterly failed to solve this enigma. I talked to a pastor friend just so that I'm not quoting old dead people. And he says, if I ever am at a church long enough to preach through every book of the Bible, Ecclesiastes will be 64th or 65th. <laughs> when John Wesley preached through Ecclesiastes, he says, never before had I so clear a sight 
either of its meanings or its beauties. Neither did I imagine that the several, several parts of it were in so exquisite a manner connected together, all tending to prove the grand truth that there is not happiness outside of God. How do you resolve the tension of your faith saying that life is meaningful? Because that's what Christianity teaches us, that life has meaning. When everything you observe and everything that you experience says the exact opposite. The words of the teacher, the son of David, the king in Jerusalem, says absolute futility in verse 2. Absolute futility, everything is futile. Look what this guy is preaching to these people. He's the preacher, he's the teacher. Ecclesiastes, this gathering, he's teaching the gathering and he leads with his lead-in phrase is everything doesn't matter. I mean, for those of you who didn't like the, the generosity series we did, lean into that. Everything, the, the word vapor is used. It's, it's a cold breath. Now, we don't know what cold is here until it's December. And when you breathe, there's a, there's a vapor in the air, and then it's gone. And that's what he says life is. It's not a word that is just in Ecclesiastes. It's actually used in Romans chapter 8. It's the Hebrew word, havel. It's as if you've got sand in your throat. That's how you say the word, from a deep, guttural place. Same word in Romans 8 used for futility. Life is frustrating and meaningless. And the reason it is meaningless is because of what we know as sin. So the book of Ecclesiastes gives us a picture of what is taking place. But there's something that's missing there. And Paul would say to us, what's missing, the silhouette that's there, the cutout that's there... If you just know the whole story, you can see what's missing for this person as he looks at life under the sun is this person of Jesus. Because Jesus takes the meaningless nature and the futility of life both in the macro, the condemned fallen world that we live in, and in the micro, the condemned fallen us upon himself on the cross because he's going to do a new work. Say it like you're sitting on the beach in Surfside, this word habel, this word for meaninglessness, and you've got sand in your throat. It's the same word used by Eve in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve are infinite beings, or so it would seem. We get to Genesis chapter 3, that tricky thing with the snake and the apple. They go from infinite to finite. And when they name their children, one of them is named Habel. Vapor. Created in perfection. Romans says it this way, The creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay and the glorious freedom of God's children. It is a groan, this habel, this vapor. It reminds us of James, who you may think was doing a devotion when he through the book of Ecclesiastes on his bad, rainy Monday morning when he says life is a vapor in James 4, verse 14. Life is here today and gone when? Today.
Solomon asked, what does a person gain for all of his efforts? That he labors at under the sun. The word gain there, it's surplus. It's overage. It's extra. When all is said and done, do I have anything of value to show for my effort? Do you know what the majority of your life will consist of? You will wake up. Doesn't matter if it's 6 a.m., 2 a.m., 9 a.m., you're going to wake up. You're going to eat a meal. You're going to drive somewhere to get coffee and or a soda loaded with caffeine. You're going after you do that, you're going to go to work for a short period of time. You will leave to go meet some people for lunch, more than likely the same group of friends that you eat lunch with every single day. You'll go back to work. You'll skip your workout. That's how life works. You will mow the grass or you will pay someone to mow the grass. That doesn't happen every day. It happens once a week. Here it happens once every four to six days. You will get your haircut once a month unless you're like me who happens to be a Chia pet and you request haircuts once every three weeks. It's not in the budget. We're working towards it. For we all do. For all that we do in this world, everything is unchanged. Everything is unchanged. It's the same rhythm, the same pattern, the same struggle. Every single day, everyone feels that there's nothing new under the sun. From the wide open world, you see in verses 4 through 7, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Think about it. How many of you can name your grandfather? Raise your hand. That's okay. How many of you can name your great-grandfather? How many of you can give me the name of the great-great-grandfather? I just saw a mom put her kid's hand down. That's cool. How many of you can name your great-great-grandfather? The great-great-great. Life is here today and gone today. We don't remember yesterday. The world is this repetitive place. You'll notice the phrase in verse 4. It does not say come and go because that communicates to us progression. It actually says go and come. That's not progression. That's replacement. This guy's in a bad space. This may be a difficult series for us. The sun rises. The sun sets panting. It returns to the place where it rises, gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning. Goes the wind. There's a song about that. Multiple songs came to my mind as I worked through Ecclesiastes 1. Bohemian Rhapsody was there. From the wide open world, we also see this. From the whole of humanity, it seems that you don't get anything out of this life. You get squat. All things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied by seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. Here's how the ESV words that, and I love it. The, the ESV is one of my favorite translations. I preach out of the CSV because I wanted you all to buy new Bibles. The ESV says it this way, All of life is far more boring than words can ever say. Sheesh. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. This phrase over and over and over. Can one say about anything, look, this is new? Is anything really new? Do you know we've had a way to get pictures, of, to get images of people for almost ever? I was somewhere the other day, and someone was going to take my picture... And they pulled out an iPhone 11. I don't know what the Android equivalent, uh, Android equivalent of an iPhone 11 is because there isn't one. 
The iPhone 11 has a super advanced camera, but do you know what the iPhone 11 with its super advanced camera does? On it, you can talk. You can text. You can scroll through stuff. It takes pictures. There's nothing new. Trinkets are trinkets, and we deceive ourselves when we say anything different. But, but I've got a new car with every bell and every whistle. It ding-dongs and... <laughs> How long does it take for you when you're driving your new car to get to the point where you say to yourself, it's just a car? When do you begin to ignore all of this? There is nothing new under the sun. There's no remembrance of those who came before and of those who will come after. There will also be no remembrance by those who follow them. Verse 12. The teacher has been king over Israel and Jerusalem. Again, this is Solomon or someone telling us Solomon's story in detail. And he says, I applied my mind and explored through wisdom all that is done under the heaven. God had given people this miserable task to keep them occupied. I have seen all the things that were done under the sun, and I have found everything to be futile, a pursuit of the wind. Wind chasers. So you've got these three options in regard to our society and our world for how you deal with the fact that life is vanity. You have escapism. Anyone heard of escapism? Nihilism. Or you've got hedonism. Escapism, just trying to avoid every frustration in life. Lots of us live that way. Many of us who claim to follow Jesus live that way. If I'm not careful, my heart bends that way. Just forget it. Nihilism, believe that, that, believe that life has no objective meaning or value. You just look and you say, this is just a bunch of random circumstance. Or hedonism, since there is no point, I'm going to live la vida loca. I'm going to do whatever I want. The crazy life. Just like Ricky Martin told us in 2000. Solomon puts all three together and makes a smoothie and drinks it. To avoid the meaningless nature of life, he seeks to live it up to avoid his frustrations. And that, even that, doesn't work. And that's when he says, what is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be condemned. Changing your job won't fix you. Changing your income won't fix you. If you're going through a midlife crisis, changing everything around you won't fix you. There is nothing inside of any of us that will be better. Everything is crooked out there, but not only is everything crooked out there to which we need a level, everything is crooked in here and there needs to be a level, but no one can measure it. The problem, how will we solve it? I said to myself, so, so I've amassed wisdom far beyond all those who were over Jerusalem before me. My dad, David, I've got more stuff than him. Saul, the clown who was before my dad, I've got more stuff than him. Every king in the history of history, I've got more stuff than them. I've got everything. And my mind has thoroughly grasped wisdom and knowledge. I've taken it all in. I've applied my mind to know wisdom and knowledge, he says. So he says, I have tasted of the greatest things. I've eaten of the finest steaks. I have 
spent the most quality time with the most important people, the most beautiful ladies. I have interacted with the world's finest. History teaches us that people would come from all over the world to sit down and have a casual conversation with Solomon just so he could pour out his knowledge to them. Solomon interacts and says, I've done it all. I've had the best of the best. I've not only had the best of the best with the fine beef and the incredible things the world has to offer, I have rolled around in the mud and the muck with the worst of the worst. I've eaten Taco Bell in my car. I've spent time watching sports that don't seem to really be sports. I've bowled and I've played golf. I've played polo. I've been to big NASCAR races. I've done it all. And this world is messed up. The world is condemned to quote the great poet, former professional wrestler, American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. I have wined and dined with kings and queens, and I've slept in alleys and dined on pork and beans. That's Solomon's situation. The world is messed up. John three sixteen through 18, I think that fully agrees with him when Jesus says he did not come to condemn the world because outside of him the world was condemned already. For with much wisdom is much sorrow, Solomon says. So what are we going to do with this? Because it doesn't seem like this has a neat little bow for us today, Chad. And you're going to make us walk into a rainy day and just say everything stinks. I'm going to tell my wife tomorrow I'm not mowing the grass again. Ever. It can get high. I'm growing my hair out, chest hair and head hair. All of it. Ecclesiastes 4... Getting fired. Conversation with the elders coming this week. <laughs> Ecclesiastes forces us to think what will I do with the frustrations of this fallen world? That's why we keep seeing the phrase under the sun. There's nothing here that satisfies. C.S. Lewis comes alongside of that and says later when I look around and see that there is nothing in this world that satisfies. I'm to look for another world. But the story of Christianity goes one step further. You don't simply look for another world. Another world steps into yours. The reason the preacher, the teacher, shows us the wariness of human existence under the sun is so we will know we won't find joy and fulfillment here. He will eventually say to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He is saying, there's nothing new here, but there has to be something new somewhere. There has to be real life for us. And because Solomon just tells us a portion of a bigger story, we as people who get to live in 2020 with all the vision that comes with it can read in John chapter 10, 10 where Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. 
We see Solomon looking for something new under the sun, and Jesus says to, to anyone who has that mindset, that mentality about a meaningless existence, you're not it's existing, you're, not, you're just existing, you're not living. Jesus says, I offer new real life, but what I offer is not something that is under the sun. We have something new offered to us in Jesus. And because God does not just offer something from under the sun, He offers someone from above it. And in that person, we have the Son of God who makes all things new. The Bible is very clear to that. Luke chapter 22, verse 20. In the blood of Christ, we have a new covenant. In His resurrection, we have the, a new life. According to Ezekiel chapter 3, God gives a believer a new heart. The Holy Spirit offers us a new self. In Jesus, that's according to Ephesians 4 verse 24. In Jesus, you are an absolutely new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. God is doing a new thing like DC Talk told us in the late 90s. Isaiah 43 verse 19. That joke went over your head, just come back to me later. He is not just doing a new thing. He will eventually make all things new according to Revelation chapter 21 verse 5 Paul says it like this we do however speak a wisdom among the mature but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing on the contrary we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery a wisdom God for the ages for our glory none of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because if they had known it they would have not crucified the Lord of glory, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived. God has prepared these things for those who love Him. So we get to wrestle with this meaninglessness over these next few weeks. Because every one of us who walk into this room, though we may put on our best church face, some of you even tuck your shirts in, there will be moments throughout the week, more moments than any of us like to admit, where we look at the mundane, monotonous world that we live in and we ask, is there really something more? And the reminder of Jesus to us over and over in His Word is absolutely yes and yes. So this morning... I invite us as a family of faith just to bow our heads and to think through this truth that we've looked at together this morning.